This is episode number 257, Plant-Based Nutrition and 80-20 Plants with CEO Matt Tolman. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. I've learned to really listen to my energy and kind of what I'm drawn towards because I, I will probably work as hard as anybody when it comes to things that I really want to do. No matter number of hours, no caffeine necessary, like I just, I'll do whatever it takes because like I really want to create this thing. I'm fascinated about this problem. This is an awesome week because it's our first camping trip since Bradley was born. And we got a little trailer. It looks like the bowler trailers from the 1970s, or I guess 1960s, but it's actually made in BC. And this company, Armadillo, has the old molds for Armadillo. And we put our name on a wait list to get one, and it took almost a year to get it. We got it right before we moved, and then we haven't had a chance to go camping. So this is it, the maiden voyage. We are camping outside Pemberton, British Columbia, with some friends of ours. We have two one-year-old toddlers running around, so I'll let you know how it goes. And before we get into it, I just heard a little nugget of wisdom that was really interesting today that I just wanted to share with you. It's about optimism and pessimism and how it can often be really easy to just focus on the bad things that happened. And a little tidbit of information that I had never thought of before is that bad things happen very suddenly where good things tend to happen slowly over time. And it sticks out in our mind when we've lost something or when something really bad just happened versus a trend line of things going really well. So my challenge for you is look at your life and what trend lines can you find for things that are going really well? It's so hard to be focused and celebrate our own successes. And that's something that I'm working on all the time. And I just wanted to share that with you. If you like little bits of information like that, I have a weekly newsletter at sonnylooney.com slash newsletter. I spend a lot of time every week writing my thought of the week and making sure that it looks nice. The podcast of the week is there. And I also share with you what book I'm reading, which might give you a little bit of insight into what podcasts to look for in the future. The podcast is so awesome because it always keeps me learning and love of learning and curiosity are two things that I hold very near and dear to my heart and getting to ask questions and go deeper into a lot of these topics is something that makes me feel really excited. So let's get into this week's guests. We're big fans of Nomi Athlete on this show. Matt Frazier, he's the founder of Nomi Athlete, has been on the show. That was a really great episode and it's linked up in the show notes. But today I sat down with the CEO of Nomi Athlete, Matt Tolman. And not only is Matt Tolman the CEO of Nomi Athlete, He's also the co-founder and CEO of 8020 Plants, which is an app that helps you have a dietitian in your pocket. It gives you all the information that you need in order to transition to a plant-based diet with recipes and coaches. And I'm a big fan of that. I recommend that app a lot. So it's 8020 Plants and that's linked in the show notes. Compliment, which is a, well, they call it a compliment company, but it's a supplement company and Plant Bites. And we had Izzy Fisher on the show as well, who is the CEO and founder of Plant Bites. Matt Tolman's career focus has been nutrition-first health companies and driving the movement for plant-based lifestyles. Prior to his nutrition-based companies, Matt founded the digital education company, helping K-12 schools transition from textbooks to technology. He was also the managing director of Seven Wire Ventures, a firm that started, incubated, and invested capital in businesses focused on health, education, and energy. In this week's episode, we talked about a number of things. We talked about how to find information and knowing what to trust because Matt Tolman is also a very curious person who loves learning, and he spent a lot of energy learning about plant-based diets and lots of other diets for that matter. We talked about eating as many plants as possible. We dove into business life and startups. We also talked about how we joined No Meat Athlete. And then we dove into 80-20 plants and how to manage time. So there's a lot of great nuggets of information that you're going to learn today. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And don't forget to join my Plant Powered Academy Facebook group. It's free. We have over 2,000 members in the group. And it's just a community where people can share information. If you're plant curious, if you're a plant-based, it's just a spot to go to talk to other athletes and other people. 
If you haven't picked up my Plant Powered Academy cookbook, you can find that at moxieandgrit.com. It's a digital cookbook that I published two years ago and it has really great recipes. And I also share them sometimes for free on my Instagram, which is at Sonia Looney. Super excited for the takeaways from this week's guest. So let's get right into it. All right, Matt. So I just turned the recording on because I thought if we started talking beforehand, then all the good stuff would just start coming out. <laughs> I know. Whenever we do podcasts, I always like start by like, so where do you live? You know, do you have kids? You get to know people and they like start telling their whole life story. And you're like, wait a second, I, I might as well just record this and then we can get into it. So um, you're, you're a smart woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you have some little ones, right? I have uh, two little boys. Yep. And yeah. uh, are they plant-based so far? And they've been, yes, they are a hundred percent plant-based and uh, have been since they were born. So. So how did you get into this whole plant-based world? You know, I uh, I lost a loved one actually, and that was the uh, the very quick and and long transition. So. I've actually been vegetarian since high school. So to go all the way back, my story begins with my uncle being diagnosed with cancer. And uh, he was given one of those terminal death sentences where they said, you know, you should get your affairs in order. There's no cure for you. And uh, they didn't accept that. And they went and did their own research into alternative medicine and you know found the Gershwin Institute and some of the really early thinkers about how do you detoxify the body in order to naturally fight cancer. And, and they did all sorts of stuff. But one of the main efforts was in a raw vegan diet. And, and so that kind of trickled through the rest of the family. And whatever it was, 20 years ago, I learned a little bit about it and, and it just clicked with me. Um, I was like, yeah, eating meat is kind of weird. So I just stopped. And I was at the time a really competitive athlete. And so I had already kind of cut out dairy because I learned a little bit about the inflammation side of it, but more so the practical, like why have a piece of cheese on your sandwich when it just adds a bunch of fat? You know, it was, it was pretty rudimentary science at the time. Totally uh, ego-driven. But yeah, I just lost the taste for me and been vegetarian ever since. And then about eight years ago, I spent uh, 30 days in what would be end-of-life care uh, in and out of acute and rehab settings with my grandfather. He eventually passed away. Uh, his death certificate says heart disease and malnutrition. And that was just like so confusing to me that I spent two years just researching and building furniture. Actually, I had just left my previous company. And so I was blessed with a, an opportunity that I didn't need to, to work day to day to survive. And, and so I just took that time to really immerse myself in everything from cellular senescence to like the South Beach diet and the Atkins diet and the blood type diet. And like just, I wanted to learn everything I could about nutrition. And pretty quickly, I decided that uh, a vegan lifestyle and a fully whole food, plant-based diet was the best way to live. So that was about, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now. Hmm. Quick question. You might have answered it and I missed it, but did your uncle end up surviving a lot longer than they thought from the cancer with the, you said the Gershwin therapy, right? I don't know actually if he engaged in that specific Gershwin therapy, but uh, it was it was quite some time ago. He eventually did succumb to the illness my aunt describes it as dying from chemotherapy. And the reason being is that, so So I was trying to, to not go too long into this background. So I'll try to be brief. But long story short, they had given him like two weeks to a month to live, like true death sentence kind of prognosis. He was in Vietnam and exposed to Agent Orange, which we now know is a terrible carcinogen. And so the cancer had spread all throughout his body. I mean, it really was a, kind of a, a severe diagnosis. He ended up surviving far longer than that. I don't remember the exact number of months, but it was months longer. And they actually were able to see in, in the CT scans that the cancer was in retreat. Some of the tumors were shrinking, 
as a result of all these alternative interventions. The oncologist then suggested, well, let's give it the old double whammy and couple your natural remedy with chemotherapy, not really understanding, unfortunately, what what dynamics were at play, right? My uncle had spent the past six months or so, I think it was, totally detoxifying his body and, and being on a raw vegan diet, you know, no alcohol, nothing. I mean, really, really intense. And then you inject like one of the strongest poisons known to man, right? And, and uh, within two days, he fell into a coma. And within the week, he died. Wow. So according to my aunt, you know, she says he, he died of chemotherapy. And we'll never know kind of what would have happened had he just maintained that, that alternative lifestyle. But yeah, so that's, that's the story. We're starting off on a bright spot. That's right. Well, I, I think it's always interesting how people find their way to eating plant-based. And a lot of times it is because of, you know, people's family, you know, people having cancer predispositions to certain things and how a lot of people come to find that a plant-based diet is the best way. I think it's the best way to prolong your life and not only not get sick, but prolong a healthy life. But for you, you know, you said you spent two years building furniture in your Zen state and spending all this time researching different diets and a lot of different deep scientific papers. So how did you decide what was true and what wasn't? Because for a lot of people, there is a lot of information out there. Like you said, the South Beach diet or like the keto diet, and there's lots of different things. So how did you know what was, I guess, fact? (laughs) I don't think I know what is fact. I think it's hard to know what's facts, but I think you have to have some filter for believability. I think, you know, in the way we, you know, run our business to the way you you listen to news reports to understanding scientific papers, right? I think there are different signals that that you can take in as to someone's believability, right, which has to do with credentials, has to do with experience, has to do with whether or not they have conflicts of interest or some sort of known bias, you know, and uh I was trained in the social sciences in college, political science. And so you kind of learn a little bit about that. And and yeah, not to say that if you look at Atkins, for instance, right? He's a doctor, right? But but he was a doctor. You know, like I, I don't doctors aren't trained in nutrition. They still aren't today and they weren't when when he was uh when he was out um proselytizing his his beliefs, right? And he was also fairly overweight if you look at the pictures and ironically died of heart disease, I, I believe is, uh, you know, at a relatively young age. So you kind of have to take in all those different factors when, when weighing it. And, and for me, relative to this life decision, I think one of the most important thing is that when a lot of believable sources start to triangulate around one core essence you know, it, I think gives it a little bit more gravitas and for me, it gives it the confidence, right? So, so if you look across the spectrum of diets, right, blue zone diets, right? Not necessarily a vegan diet, but a well-researched, well-articulated way of eating, like it's largely plant-based, you know? And if you go to the other end of the spectrum and, and you look at like clinical research, uh, you know, like deep biomedical stuff where we look at like how cells react in a petri dish right and and you look at like cancer clearance there's some really fascinating stuff about like you know putting plant matter into cancer cells and then looking at like how your blood interacts with cancer cells on a plant-based diet or on a meat or an animal-based diet right and like so if you just start triangulating like okay my mom's been telling me fruits and vegetables are healthy forever her mom told her that fruits and vegetables are healthy. You have the blue zone diets, you got clinical research, like it all kind of triangulates around this core essence of like fruits and veggies are super healthy, you know, mm-hmm. like, and if that's the only thing I know is a fact, everything else around the fringes, I think uh, I'll leave the smarter people than me to, to argue about. Mm-hmm. I like that you use the word spectrum because for many people, the way that they eat is on a spectrum. 
And it's about adding in as many healthy, you know, things that people think are healthy into their diet as possible. And it's not about perfection. It's about just like trending in the right direction. And I kind of think that whenever you look at things as black or white or without spectrum, then it becomes really difficult to move in that direction because that all or none thinking takes over. 100%. You know, we've, uh, uh, in our no meat athlete community, we've really tried to create a, a big tent philosophy that can welcome in people of all shapes and sizes and, and beliefs. And you won't ever find us encouraging people to eat animal products. Like we don't believe that you should, we don't believe you need to for optimal performance, but we're also not the frankly crazy vegans out there who believe everyone overnight is going to change deeply ingrained cultural, social, religious, familiar, like there, there is a ton of weight, you know, kind of suppressing people's ability to, to make complete and utter transformation on something so big as the way they eat. And so we want to meet people where they are and say, eat as many plants as possible. A hundred percent is ideal, but you know what? Like we also want to help you if you're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And it also sounds like you were able to really take your strength as a big picture thinker to amalgamate all the different things that you talked about, clinical research, blue zones, just things that you've been hearing through generations. And big picture thinking is a really important part of being a CEO and an entrepreneur. So I'd love to hear more about your business life. Oof. Um, yeah, so I've been really fortunate to have a lot of opportunities to start and lead startups. I've, you know, over the past two decades, been involved in everything from education technology, where we helped K through 12 schools transition to more digital teaching and learning environments, to a glass blowing studio. You know, and I'm I'm really blessed that those businesses are still going today, and uh, and have had just a lot of fun working with incredible people in, in all those areas. Obviously, when I made the transition to a vegan diet, I decided this is really where I want to spend my time and energy and money and just about every wavelength that I think about. And so that jumping off point, it really led me to No Meat Athlete, which at the time had been you know, a thriving community led by Matt Frazier. And then since then, we've been able to start an app-based coaching service called 8020 Plants and helps people to start or optimize their plant-based diet, as well as a complement company. Uh, Regulatorily, it's a supplement company, but we don't believe in supplements. We believe you should complement your plant-based diet. And I'd love to share more about that. But let me me pause there and and, (laughs) uh, see what direction you want to take it. Yeah, I definitely want to get into 80-20 plants and complement. But I wanted to ask you about transitions because you've been involved in a lot of different things. And knowing when to transition can be a really challenging thing. So how do you how did you know when it was time to make transitions? I don't have a great answer about that. I don't have a lot of great answers about most things, mm-hmm. but I can I can tell you just off the cuff that over time I have come to really rely on indescribable kind of feeling, you know, as much as really smart people around me. First and foremost, my wife, who I constantly talk to about this stuff. And I think that, you know, you you need a good partner in life to get through big transitions, but also just a, you know, a network of mentors and friends and people who, you know, have different perspectives and can therefore call out my bullshit. um, And also, you know, offer their experiences that, that I can then learn from. So, yeah, and then and then that kind of indescribable, you know, kind of feeling. Uh, you know, the best thing I could say is that uh, um, I've learned to really listen to my energy and kind of what I'm drawn towards. Because I I will probably work as hard as anybody when it comes to things that I I really want to do. You know, I, no matter number of hours, no caffeine necessary. Like I just. I'll do whatever it takes because like I really want to create this thing or I'm fascinated about this problem or like I I really like I mean over the weekend I spent probably cumulatively 14 hours over Saturday and Sunday working on spreadsheets 
like some days that sounds terrible to me and like i would do no- i would want nothing more than to have conversations with you like this other days like i'm really really interested in like figuring out this spreadsheet and and so that i think on a micro level helps me to determine like where value is and where i should be spending my time it's the things that i'm drawn to it's the things that then generally correlate to kind of meaning more and then on a macro level you know like i said I, when i came out at that uh, hospital experience obviously i was shell shocked i believed deeply that i was going to somehow figure out how to reverse 86 years of of heart disease and having lost a loved one was really tough but i just could not stop asking myself like how do i prevent that from happening to me and my loved ones like how do i understand this and why isn't this taught in schools right and and if you know that experience with my uncle and i've heard about this stuff with heart disease like why is there so much around this like animal based food system you know and like I said, I, I just knew right then and there that this is where I, I wanted to spend the foreseeable future. And, and so I think really listening to where is your energy drawn to can really help you know the direction to go. That sounds like you have a really strong sense of agency, but also a lot of drive and energy. But to balance that out, like how do you take downtime? Because you can burn out. I, I burn out all the time because I, like you, I, I want to go all in on the things that I love and I want to work super hard, but then it's hard to turn it off. I don't know how to turn it off. I'm (laughs) going to respectfully pass on that question because I haven't figured that out yet. Um, I was hoping you could give me uh, the answers. (laughs) Tell me if you know. I uh, I don't. Yeah. You know, I work as hard as I can for as long as I can. And and like I said, you know, you, you kind of get to those moments where like you wake up and you're like, I don't, I don't want to do this today. And, and that's when, you know, like you should go do something else. And so on those days, like I spend a little bit more time with my kids. Like I work out a lot and uh, generally try to do kind of that state change stuff with, you know, a super long run. And, and you come back and you realize like, no, I wasn't burned out. I just like, I'm neglecting this aspect of my life, right. Whether it be you know, I'm, I'm not spending enough time on my nutrition because I'm so absorbed with like the day to day or not spending enough time, you know, with exercise or meditation, whatever. And like, you kind of find that that balance, at least for me, you know, like I say, a long run is about the, uh, the only secret that I've discovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And long runs or just exercise is like a way to get outside yourself, create some distance from yourself can certainly be humbling. <laughs> Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So how did you come to join No Meat Athlete? Well, that was, uh, let's see, feels like forever ago. I met Matt Frazier. And at the time, he was contemplating what was next for him. He had already been running the blog at the time. It was really just focused on your typical blog information-based business. And uh, he was talking about taking on investment from some venture capital guys. And uh, I had just run a venture-backed business. And I told him it was a terrible idea that, that this business was not made for that and decided to pitch him on, on an idea to create compliment with me and had this idea of how we could use the No Meat Athlete community to create this product with us and, and launch it. And and it was part of a, a broader ambition to really build out the team because at the time it was really Matt and, and uh, a couple part-time folks just working sporadically on projects. And, and I, I saw the, the foundation for something that I thought could be a lot bigger and a lot more impactful. So over time, got, got more and more involved investing time, energy, resources into no meat athlete and eventually decided to step in into the CEO role. And as part of that, you know, continue to develop this uh, complement concept and, and build the team around it. And, and then of course, the rest is history with um, our latest project being 8020 plants, which we launched uh, just this past January. 
Yeah. And with compliment, and you'll, you'll certainly be able to talk about this better than I, but a lot of times people ask, you know, oh, I'm changing my diet to plant-based. What supplements do I need? And there's, you know, the typical supplements that you do need. And also like the supplements that everybody pretty much should be taking like vitamin D. And then my husband, he he's also plant-based. And for his supplements, it's like he'll put all the pill bottles out on the counter and just leave them there. So he remembers. So you got like your B12 and your vitamin D and maybe like iodine and like plant-based DHA. And now there's like all these pills everywhere. And then whenever I saw a compliment and I saw that you could get all those in one, you know, in one bottle, I thought that's brilliant. Like, why hasn't anybody else thought of that? And I'm so glad that you guys did. So can you talk more about that? That was exactly it, you know? So the longer story is that I had read all the books and my takeaway from Esselstyn and Campbell and, you know, kind of the, the, the forefathers and foremothers of our movement you know, it was, was very much eat whole foods and don't worry about anything else. And I think to some extent, they're starting to backtrack that and and have a, a little bit more nuanced conversation around some of these these essential vitamins and minerals, but not, you know, not as much as I would hope. I'm happy to say that Tom Campbell is, is a friend now, which is crazy to think how full circle it has come. And and I was just speaking to him uh, a few months ago, and and he still doesn't believe that you should take supplements. And I think that's a dangerous perspective, because I think that if you look at any pattern of eating, and that's what it is, right? We have patterns of consumption of things we like and we don't like, and and uh, you you are almost guaranteed to have more of certain nutrients and less of others, right? And like you say. If you look across multiple countries that that uh, we might live in, Canada or the U.S., namely, you know, particularly the northern hemisphere, like vitamin D deficiency is is rampant, and plant-based eaters are not. Right? The reason it's a nutrient of concern for plant-based eaters is because the dairy equipment is actually washed in a solution that contains vitamin D, and so that's how it gets in there. In addition to fortification, so. You know, I think that if you look deeply at these patterns of consumption, you end up with an understanding that you're better off taking a little bit of of these vitamins and minerals to prevent what can be very scary outcomes. You know, for me, I was about two years into my vegan journey and I was diagnosed with rheumatoid-like inflammation, which meant all the markers of inflammation in my body are really high and there's no explanation except for like some sort of rheumatotic disease. You know, I, I don't know. I don't have rheumatoid arthritis today. I don't have any other issue, thank God. But the indication was like I'm heading in the wrong direction. I said, I, I don't understand how that's possible. You know, like I'm doing what they said to do. I'm eating literally at that time my diet was probably cleaner than it is today. Uh, and I didn't get it. And so again I went back into research mode and after some deep exploration and a lot of blood tests and a lot of weird supplementation, I came down to probably deficient in B12, definitely deficient in omega-3s, particularly DHA and EPA. I had no source of those in my diet for two years, so it makes sense. And then the vitamin D was kind of borderline. And so I've been complementing my plant-based mm-hmm. diet ever since. And all those markers of inflammation, all, you know, everything is, is kind of corrected and, and I continue to check and, and it's been years since. So to wrap up your husband's supplementing regime is exactly the problem then that I found, which was, you know, I, first of all, didn't trust any of the manufacturers. There was just so many kind of opaque things like, you know, and, and so that always bothered me. I was always running out of one bill, pill bottle before the others. Mm-hmm. So like there wasn't ever like good timing, right? And and then they were really expensive, you know? And then fourthly, like having all those bottles meant more plastic, more waste that was going into our landfills. And so it seemed pretty simple to me. And I'm happy to say that now as we've shipped out hundreds of thousands of these bottles, it apparently is something that other people are dealing with as as well. So yeah, happy to to expound on that further or, or go into deeper on the nutrition science, which is something I'm super passionate about. 
Yeah. I just want to highlight something that you said was that like animal products don't just naturally come with vitamin D or vitamin B12. Like these animal products are fortified before you get them. So you're still taking supplements. You're just, you're just not the one adding them in. Right. Right. People don't often think about that. Yeah. And I also think you mentioned uh, T. Colin Campbell and saying how he doesn't believe in, you know, that you need supplements. And a lot of it does come down to how and where your food was grown. Like B12 comes from, I think it's bacteria in the soil. And depending on where your food is grown, that bacteria might not be in the soil or it might not be converting to B12. So maybe for some people, they are getting B12 from, you know, the types of foods that they're eating. But for others, because of, you know, the way that our land is going, the food just isn't coming as nutrient dense as it used to. That is conceptually 100% right, except for the B12 part. Mm. <laughs> and I'll explain why. Iodine, for instance, right? Like because of modern agricultural practices, things like zinc and iodine, the minerals that are sucked up into the plants from the soil, due to the lack of regenerative agricultural practices, the overuse of pesticides and herbicides and just general wide-scale kind of destruction of earth as soil, right? We Exactly what you said, we don't have the raw materials in the soil anymore, and those aren't getting sucked up into the plant as they mm -hmm. had in the past. So therefore, there is such a thing as like, you know, one asparagus and another asparagus mm -hmm. could have totally different nutritional profiles. And that's why we expanded our complement concept to not just be the Literally, you can't get these in plants, which is omega-3s, DHA and DPA, B12, and vitamin D. Just can't get them in plants. They don't exist. And I can expand on the omega-3 thing because a lot of people take issue with the fact that there's one called ALA. But trust me, this is so important. You don't want to risk not having these in your diet. Then there are those, like I mentioned, zinc, K2 iodine, right? And there's a little bit more of a nuanced story there. But back to your point, you know, yeah, you're going to have different nutrients and different plants because of soil health. The only clarification I want to make about B12 is that that is not actually absorbed into plants ever. The reason why some people get it from plants is because they're eating dirty vegetables, which our ancestors and ruminants like cows do right and, mount, and of, mountain bikers <laughs> and fair fair i i'll show you a picture of my uh you can't see it on zoom but i have a bunch of scars from from eating some dirt uh so sorry so to interrupt. From, a, from a bike crash no not at all it's, that's actually a great perspective and i'm gonna i'm gonna use that in the future but yeah so in the past when we weren't overly sanitizing everything washing things using pesticides all that stuff you would eat a little bit of bacteria from the dirt on your vegetable and ingest the tiny, tiny amount of B12 that you need, you know, to balance out, you know, all those systems in your body. Today, that's not really guaranteed. And we don't go around encouraging people to eat dirty vegetables. So, so yeah, I would, I just wanted to clarify, if you take nothing else, take a B12 supplement. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I think Inside Tracker has been a, a podcast sponsor of No Meat Athlete podcast, and it is of the show as well. And I actually had something interesting come up on my last test was that I was actually high in B12 and I was taking like a daily B12 supplement. So I've actually cut back on that. And I think that's important to talk about like how we're all individuals and how we can take responsibility of our own health to see what we need. But there are like general places to start and then you can continue to optimize from there. Yeah. No, it's it's super interesting. And that's why, you know, one of the biggest things that I encourage people to do is like, go get a blood test and engage in the health process. You know, unfortunately, in this country, in the US, it's such a pain to engage with doctors because of insurance and because of just the way the system is set up. But but thankfully, because of Everlywell, and because of things like Inside Tracker they make it much more consumer-based and much more pleasant to get checked and, and to understand your health. 
and I and that's what that's my biggest encouragement for people is to really engage with your health. It matters, right? And most of us like we take for granted when we're healthy, and then we get sick, and we're like, I just want to get back to being healthy. I'll give anything it takes, you know. But actually, the you know, unfortunately, it's a hell of a lot harder to regain health once you've lost it than to take the preventative measures day by day to engage in the process, to check out what's in your blood, and and to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good segue into 80-20 plants because whenever we do get busy, it seems like the first things to go are sleep and healthy eating. And those things should be like your foundation because they're foundational to health. And yet when we get really busy, we just throw those out the window. So can you talk about 80-20 plants? Sure. And let me just do one more quick plug for compliments because we were talking about testing. We're actually rolling out a testing service to get your omegas, likely B12 and also vitamin D um, soon enough. So we're really excited about that because for us, it's not just about providing people with these nutrients. It's really about taking it one step further. Like we publish all of our third-party test results so that you can see everything we see about what's in each batch, right? We test not only when raw materials arrive at our facility, but after the blending, and then again with the third party with the finished product. And again, we publish all those. We think we're doing a really special job, and, and it's not just because it makes it easy for me to talk about and be proud of, <laughs> but you know, my wife has taken our products through two pregnancies. And now I give our products to my two little boys. And so when you think about the level of intensity that you put into the thought and safety behind what you give a pregnant woman or a one-year-old, it's, I think, probably the highest standard we can have. So that's why I always want to take an opportunity to share it. You asked about 20 and again, that comes back to kind of personal ambitions. Uh, I do have members of my family who have gone fully vegan. Thankfully, my members of my family have also gone vegetarian based on me badgering them incessantly for years. But but it's still really hard. And and so for all the friends and family that, you know, see my wife look fantastic a month and a half after giving birth, and they say like, wow, you, you look so great. Like, what are you doing? And, and my wife's like, I work 12 hours a day and I take care of a toddler and now a baby on top of it. Like, that's what I do, you know? Like, but my body naturally goes back into, you know, equilibrium, a, a healthy state because we eat plants, you know? <laughs> she doesn't like go crazy at the gym ever. I've never seen her in the gym actually. And so it's for all those people who say like, oh, I wish I could do that. but I just don't know where to start. Like, you know, it's for my dad who, you know, again, it's these friends and families. Like my dad struggles to to cook quinoa, right? For those of you who don't know how to cook quinoa, you just put water and boil it, maybe add a touch of salt, right? Like it's pretty simple, you know? He needs someone to hold their hand. And so that's really what we we built in 8020. It's the resources and tools that you need to make this transition to a plant-based diet. Uh, but also gives you a one-on-one health coach that you can text your questions because sometimes you really do just need that helping hand when when you're staring at a box of quinoa and, and don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, as you said, a lot of people want to make changes to their diet. Maybe they want to go all the way. Maybe they just want to add in some more plant-based meals, but they don't know where to start and they don't know like what's a healthy meal or how do I cook it or like who do I ask? So I was actually really stoked whenever you guys came out with 8020 plants because I get those questions all the time. And just to be able to give somebody that one-on-one support and there's so many recipes and you guys just make it so easy. That is that is our goal. You know, I think it's it's really hard for those of us who have been eating a plant-based diet for so long to have empathy for what it was like to start. And uh, and that's really what what 8020 is is designed to do is to be that that uh, that best friend who you don't have because so many of us made this transition with the help or support of uh, of a loved one you know whether friend family whatever that was one of the kind of strains in our research as we were building this product this service 
thinking about, you know, um, there's that commonality. And most people had that person to call and say like, hey, what cheese should I try? Right? Like there's some good vegan cheeses and then there's some less good vegan cheeses, you know, <laughs> like, and having that friend to, to encourage you towards that one that's not, you know, going to suck. It could be the difference between you making this transition or not. Yeah. And I think that meal prep and meal planning is one of people's biggest headaches and not knowing like, yeah, like what should I eat on a daily basis? And I think that that's great that there is that option too. Yeah, we provide uh, meal plans as well as a whole slew of recipes for folks because it, uh, yeah, feeding yourself on a daily basis is can throw people off. <laughs> yeah. And like, what is the 20 part of the 80-20 for those who don't know? So we have a, a pretty flexible program in the sense that the, the 80% is whole plants. That's a non-negotiable that's the thing that we want to see in the world. And I know a lot of my vegan friends would be aggravated for me to say that that it's not 100% plants, but the reality is, is that we want to meet people where, they're, where they are. And if we could get the whole world, let's just start with the whole neighborhood, eating 80% plants, that would be a tremendous accomplishment, not just for their health, but also in terms of natural resource uses, you know, whether it's land, arable land, or water, you know, just getting to eighty percent is a huge impact. And then, of course, the the animal welfare aspect, you know. And I think we need more people who are willing to admit that eighty percent is a, a tremendous accomplishment for many, many people on a standard. American diet, as the term goes, but but unfortunately, the the prevailing diet kind of around the world now, you know, which is animal based. And so, specifically, we have a progressive program that starts with getting you to eighty percent, because nothing matters if you can't get at least eighty percent of your meals to come from plants. You know, then we encourage people to modify and optimize that twenty percent in hopes that they will get to a hundred percent. Plant based. That that is, of course, how we live. It's, of course, our our end recommendation. But but we also acknowledge that a lot of people are are going to feel better. You know, their 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 gastrointestinal issues will be uh, improved. Their energy will go up. Their sleep will improve. And if we can get them there to that eighty percent, um, it's a lot more likely that they'll end up continuing that journey and saying. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't need that extra slice of cheese, you know, or I, I'm going to cut out, you know, my dairy based lattes and, and choose almond milk. But but you got to meet them where they're at and you got to get them to the 80%. Yeah. And you have to start somewhere like people like some people need the all or none. Like my husband is actually one of those people like he actually went oil free vegan <laughs> overnight. Wow. Um but I'm not like that. And I changed my diet. I didn't know this was like eight years ago. I didn't know what was going to happen to my athletic performance. So I did it very gradually. And in the app, you guys also help people make gradual shifts. So it's like switch your breakfast or, you know, allow that mental space so that if you still have these like favorite animal based foods or a fear around letting go of an animal based food that that's there's still that wiggle room in you in there for you. And you can start trending in the right direction. But for some people, if you tell yourself, like, I can never have that thing ever again, you won't even get started. Yeah. That's, uh, so I'm like your husband and, uh, I'm the extremist where, you know, like I said, one day I just stopped eating meat and I haven't had it in, I got, I don't 15 years or more long, long time, you know? And then I remember, uh, literally I sent a text to Adriana, my wife, and, and I said like, we're going vegan. I don't know what that means. So we're going to stop eating everything and we're going to like selectively whitelist foods back into our diet. <laughs> Cause mm -hmm. like all I knew was that when I knew I knew, right. And, and we were going to do it hundred percent dove in and uh, yeah, never, never looked back and never really wavered. Cause it's just easier for me, you know, to be like your, your husband just, you know, and that's, that's uh, a Navy seal. Who's got a great book that, uh, his like tagline is uh, freedom through discipline, 
And I think that is such an important thing for all of us to try to embrace. And for me, like people don't understand, they think this is like so restrictive, but, but actually I think it's more liberating because I don't have to decide what to eat every day. When I go to a restaurant, like I don't have to look at menus. Like there's usually only one thing I can eat. And sometimes there's not even that, right? I just have to ask the waiter to bring me a plate of vegetables, you know, like that's, you know, and, and so I, I think that there's a liberation in, in constraints and in uh, having a lot of those decisions taken care of for you every day. Unless you go to a plant-based restaurant in which there's lots of decisions to be made. <laughs> well, see this, and this is where the theory comes from, because when I go to a plant-based restaurant, it's so overwhelming and exhausting. Cause I'm like, I want the Buffalo cauliflower rings. Like I, I want, you know, <laughs> these things, I want that things. Of course I'm getting the milkshake, you know, like, and, uh, and that's a lot harder. <laughs> yeah. I think you brought up a really important point that trying to within reason limit the amount of decisions that you have to make during the day is a liberating and freeing thing because yeah, like when you have so many things going on on a daily basis, it actually fatigues your brain to have to make so many decisions. So if you can simplify certain areas of your life, certain types of decisions, then it allows freedom for other things. Yeah, 100%. You know, I've, uh, um, my latest actually uh, um, uh, is that I, I have a bunch of these polo shirts and like, I don't think at all about what I wear every day, you know, because uh, I can just grab these and and be onto uh onto the more important things that i that i think about very early in the morning yeah i think a good question for the listeners to take away is like what's an area of your life that you could simplify and how will that create space for you and how will that feel yeah no i uh <laughs> I, I don't do a good job of creating space but i have <laughs> recently read a book our our uh, cmo recommended to me called Deep Work by Cal mm. Newton, I think it is. Or Cal and, Newport. Uh, Newport, thank you. Yeah, yeah and, and uh, so so we've blocked a day where our company is, is embracing no phone calls. Doesn't always work, you know, obviously, you know, particularly for me, because my job is to talk to people outside of the company, you know, and, and sometimes you got to pick up the phone and, and get a quick answer. But the general philosophy is like we're trying to create this huge block of time where like whether it's catching up with a bunch of little things you know or getting really really deep into that one big thing which is obviously the intent we don't have a lot of that and certainly for me like i i found myself uh, a couple of weeks ago actually where you know i would just look at the week and it's like fully booked up just with things like this you know mm -hmm. which are super meaningful but but then don't actually leave any time for you to do work, you know, mm -hmm. to like sit down and actually, you know, produce outcomes. So so I've really tried to embrace uh, doing whatever I can to create space in, in my day. Yeah, there's a book, I think it was called The 12 Week Year that I read a long time ago. And it had something about like creating different types of blocks where you have blocks for like actual productivity that doesn't involve talking to anybody. And then you have like blocks that are for phone calls and I found that really helpful. Yeah, I, so was it John Dorn? No, uh, gosh, I, I've uh, shared this story so many times. I'm embarrassed of now. I can't uh, <laughs> remember the guy's name. He was the founder of Y Combinator. And I'm totally blank. Anyway, he's got a great article called Maker Manager uh, Schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe Maker Schedule, Manager Schedule. And anyway, to, I, I know we're short on time. so. I highly encourage people who are trying to, to be thoughtful about their day to read. If you Google maker, manager, schedule, you'll, you'll definitely find it. Uh, and again, the premise is the same as what we were just describing. And, and I've been adhering to that philosophy for a long time where I only, as, as much as possible, will only have pre-scheduled phone calls in the afternoon because then morning time you know, allows you to do that, that deep work and not, not be punctuated by all these little, little phone calls or what have you. Unfortunately, my afternoon has, has expanded from like, to, to like 10am. And so most of my like maker mornings, as I call them, 
is like 5 a.m. to 8 before the world starts starts turning and Slack messages and emails and everything else starts flying. But but those early morning hours are, are absolutely, uh, yeah, sacrosanct for me and, and when I get almost all of my work done. <laughs> yeah, that time management piece, when you like doing lots of different things and you want to always be growing and evolving is is really tough. And when you have yeah. two kids. <laughs> haven't uh, Haven't cracked that code yet. <laughs> Well, speaking of time, we are out of time, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. You have a lot of knowledge in a lot of different areas, and it was good to just get to chat with you. You as well, Sonia. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story and a little bit more about what we're uh, doing. And I I hope uh, any in your audience will reach out. Any messages sent to uh, our companies that that you know are flagged for me will will eventually get to me. So I would love to hear from them. Yeah. And as a follow-up, Matt Frazier is also coming on the show and will be published after this one. So if you guys are interested, make sure that you subscribe and check that out. <laughs> That'll be a much more interesting one. And and his new book, The Plant-Based Athlete, is available now for pre-order. And I have read it. It is awesome. It goes really in-depth on some of the most interesting plant-based athletes in in the world. So highly recommend that, as I'm sure he will too. So I'll I'll stop my plug there. Awesome. And I'll plug it. I'm in it too, guys. (laughs) Woohoo! Okay, thanks, Matt. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show as that will help it reach others. And also share the show with your friends. It's all about sharing information and helping people be better every day. And on that note, I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. See you next week.